everybody. Welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. Hello, everybody. So today, um, or this week, I guess, I wanted to briefly touch on what um, was an interesting week. I am not sure um, who all has seen it, but this week, the Courier Journal, the Louisville Courier Journal, did a, not a profile, but kind of a, a write-up about this office, um, well, the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and my first year in that position and some of the challenges and some of the things that I'm looking forward to. Um, what I wanted to do or what seemed like a good thought for today was just to, one, encourage everyone to go read it. It was really nice to sit down and talk with, with Joe um, Joe Sanka from the Courier Journal. It was really nice to sit down and talk with him about the office and the work that we are trying to do. Um, and as people know, it's a lot harder to get all of an interview into a, a write-up. And so I asked Joe's permission to air parts of that interview with the Courier um, so you could hear the full conversation as opposed to what was distilled down to a writing. And hopefully it's a little more illustrative or illuminating of the conversation. But it was a, definitely a great write-up in The Courier. And I, again, encourage everyone to read it, um, to subscribe to your local paper, and to, yeah, really just do things that get you more involved in our community and that does start by supporting local journalism um so without further ado and again i i hate <laughs> it, it's funny to me to introduce myself i guess um but i will introduce myself and my conversation with joe sanka from the courier journal Um, so that's a interesting question. I'm from Madisonville, Kentucky, mm -hmm. in Western Kentucky, 
Um, and I, you mean like as far back as there? Sure. Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I went to two high schools in Madisonville. That's why I laughed because I, uh, I was a, an outcast and transferred my, not an outcast. I transferred my senior year and that was like a big deal. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Oh, within Madisonville. Yeah. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. What county is that? That's Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins. Okay. Yeah. It it caused some drama between athletic directors and uh. <laughs> accusations of recruiting. Oh, recruiting. And, yeah. 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 Um, but then I moved to Louisville to go, you know, for undergrad. I started off pre med um, and had some people talk some <laughs> sense into me. Um, I made it three years in my program before one of my professors was like oh you need to you know you should consider political science because of what you want to do because my original life plan um and I'll get back to this probably but my original plan was to do sports medicine because I was an athlete my whole life um and what sport I <laughs> so I did um Football, basketball, soccer, track. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's the full gamut right there. <laughs> and then uh, for a short period of time, did track uh, for college. Um, but I wanted to do sports medicine for a few uh, for a while, save some money, and then my dream at the time was to run for senate mm-hmm. and work on poverty policy. That mm-hmm. was poverty and race. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my my goal and. I'll circle back to that, I'm sure. But I told one of my professors that, um, Dr. Lamley, and he was like, why don't you just skip straight to that instead of Mm -hmm. the other thing first? I was like, I don't know. I just always did sports. So Mm -hmm. this is what I know. So I want to do sports medicine. And so I changed my junior year, um, did two 24-hour semesters, which is not advisable. Had to get special permission. Um, and switched to do law and public policy and economics. Um, And my goal still was to then go to law school and do work on policy. And so I was like, I never want to be the person in court. Um, My something that came up in one of those conversations with Dr. Lamley was, you know, you can do case by case, um, a minor victory for one person where you can try to work on systemic change and policy and learn the law so you can help shape the law. And I was like, you know, that's a lot. It, to me, that felt better than, mm-hmm. you know, going to court and getting one person's, which is very important. That's not saying um, other people doing that aren't doing something that's very meaningful um, because they are. It's just at some point we also need to focus on the front end of keeping people out of certain situations. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So I went to U of L law school. I didn't move, go very far, mm-hmm. um, went right next door. And that was an experience in itself. But in that, um, following that, at least I did a lot of work going towards what I was hoping for. So I, after law school, I worked for Metro Council um, for a little bit and then mo- moved on. While I was at Metro Council, the councilman I was working for, our districts, um, or the district covered some of the poorest areas in Louisville. 
um, in some of the poorest areas in the state and some of the poorest areas in the nation. And which member? It's now President James. So okay. Okay. District yeah. Six um, had California. Mm. Um, yeah. So working with that community was it was great. Um, seeing a lot of people who, while I didn't grow up here, um, the issues with poverty were the same. Um, and I think if that's something people don't think about is, um, I know, I know it's gotten bigger now with what Charles has been trying to run on, but you see similar things if you're in a rural area or a, an urban area it just might manifest a different way um, and for me working in that community um, was very like where I grew up and so I really felt connected to that community but I also wanted to do more on a larger scale of doing work and so I went and worked at LRC uh, and worked for the General Assembly um, writing the laws and I was just like oh yeah this is what it, this is what I wanted this is it um, and being able to write them um, granted when you work for LRC if you're nonpartisan you write what they tell you to write um, but still I I was doing the thing I had a, a hand in shaping policy and so that really led me a few directions but ultimately it got me um, a lot of experience and understanding even things that I didn't learn in law school um, about statutory construction and how you can have a simple word in there that can change everything and getting better at that um, I branched off and I worked for a couple organizations doing similar work but on the other side now I got to shape it mm-hmm. um, I worked at Kentucky Youth Advocates and worked on economic justice, uh, or yeah, actually economic insecurity. So I got to work on poverty issues. I did juvenile justice issues and criminal justice issues. And being able to work with the legislature on the other side, um, being able to do that was really fortunate um, being able to try to have a say and meeting with people that said they needed something and being able to work and try to move towards achieving it um, it was an eye-opening experience um, just I mean I interned at the General Assembly when I was in school and so I was I've spent so much of my life with Frankfurt now it's bizarre to think about but just everywhere you are it's different and I eventually um, had, was asked about an opportunity. Right before I came here, I worked for an education nonprofit um, or education foundation that focused on, it was educational, education policy. And that was important to me because I know, knew from personal experience, um, education is the gateway to pretty much everything mm. and being able to work on equity in the classroom um, that was a dream for me because I personally feel lucky that I had some teachers who helped me um, pour 
black kid in a small white town um, that did so much for me and I know how important education is I mean I, I still think about this to this day I when I was growing up we didn't have anything <laughs> and I had some teachers who knew that there was no food at my house or if I was even going to have a house sometimes because that also happened there are multiple times where we didn't have anywhere to go and they would let me sneak food home from the lunchroom or mm. hide extra food or like say hey you know you can take this like right before we leave for school is like a bag of food mm. um, share this with your family that type of thing but also not just that but telling me you know you are smart you have the ability to go to college and do all these things. I didn't know anybody went to college. Hmm. I was like, who does that? Hmm. Um, people in our area, especially the black people, that wasn't a thing you did. Hmm. Graduating high school was a, an achievement that people celebrated and danced. Hmm. And talking about college, I was like, eh, okay. But at the same time, I was like, okay. Hmm. Um, and so... Can I grab my photographer real yeah, quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, he's, he's like lost outside. Sure. <laughs> All good. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be back up one second. So education was just important to me because I learned through experience, one, of how important a, a teacher is to your development, but also the doors that it can open. Um, and so that was just really important to me. And so being able to work for a an organization that focused on trying to make school more equitable mm -hmm. and helping other people achieve was just really important to me. Mm -hmm. And then I, I still I still talk to most of the people there a lot just about what's going on, how can I help? But then this opportunity came up and mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah. something I could be like, oh no, definitely not. Um, because yeah, I wanted to ask why you, yeah, why did you take on this role? Because. And going back to what I was saying, the my history growing up in a smaller, I hate saying small because in, by Kentucky standards, mm -hmm. it's not as right. small as right. I like to think it is, um, but a smaller, um, mostly white community where we, my family, um, we had a lot of challenges and one thing that I think about is life is full of challenges and who you are shouldn't add to that. And one of the more difficult things was, like I said, there were times when we didn't have anything or anywhere to go. And I knew that race played a part in that. There would be landlords who would specifically say they didn't want to rent to a black family they didn't want those people in one of their properties. Or if you are, were in one, they would just make up reasons to kick you out. And again, if you have nowhere to go or no safety net, then being thrown around like that was hard. Mm -hmm. And being able, like I said, I wanted to get into a space where I could contribute to the solution and helping with people who were growing up like me. Um, this was one of those opportunities where one of our main functions is helping people in that situation in those situations 
but not just for their race, just helping people who are being targeted for being who they are and existing how they exist. And no one should ever have to deal with hate against who they were created as. And so being able to do this was something that was very um, an honor, um, humbling, and uh, quite frankly, it's a little um, scary and frustrating at the same time Mm -hmm. because there's so much I want to I want to do um, and I I worry that I'm not doing enough and I always want to do something to help help Mm -hmm. and I have friends who are doing big things and trying to help so many people Mm -hmm. and it's like where where do I fit in Um, like a friend of mine who you can guess is running for Senate and I'm like okay (laughs) and their whole focus is helping all you know helping Kentuckians and Mm -hmm. it's like that's what I want to do and I don't know how how best to do it Mm -hmm. and so right now this is I feel like this is where I can use whatever abilities I have to try to contribute Mm -hmm. um and relying on a team here that can help do that Mm -hmm. but even then it's still kind of difficult to still feel like there's so much more that needs to be done right so you took over last june july last june 16th of last year was my so that's quite that's quite a first year uh (laughs) in terms of louisville's history both the you know the racial justice protests and the once a hundred year pandemic and everything that's happened so um looking back at your your first year plus uh (laughs) what would you I'll ask both both questions. What would you think? What do you think have been your biggest successes in this role, and what have been the biggest challenges that that you've faced in meeting your goals? Oof. Okay, we'll start with challenges because uh-huh. I want to end on the good stuff. <laughs> um, one of the top challenges I think is, especially in this time where we weren't, in the, everyone wasn't in the office at the same time. I literally started in the middle of a pandemic where I didn't get to meet the people <laughs> who were going to be working here. Yeah. Um, and it, what's been really challenging is I want, I still want to find ways. This is my biggest challenge. I want to let people here know how valued they are for the work that they're doing and have been doing. There are people who have been working here for about as long as I've been alive. And I wish there were more things I could do to show them how valued they are. Um, Limited by resources and state rules on how to reward people. And I feel like some people don't feel as valued as they actually are, and that's tough for me. Um, And more on that is the, the, the very large challenge here is our lack of staff, our lack of resources, um, a statewide agency to investigate and do all of these things. We have four investigators mm-hmm. for the entire state of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, we This has been one of those places that unfortunately has been a casualty of budget cuts every budget. Mm-hmm. Um, How many did it used to have recently? <laughs> so 
it, we'll just speak on investigators. Uh, um, 15 to 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, average was around 13. Uh, and to have four is is difficult. Um, we have one, currently right now, have one working attorney in the legal unit. We do not have um, a staff for intake and taking calls. Mm. Um, one of the other teams here rotates on who takes calls and things that are coming in. Mm. And it's, it's, it's challenging that our lights basically stay on because of our federal partnerships with HUD and the EEOC, mm. not from our general fund appropriations um, that's to stay open. Right. And I sent and presented information to the legislature last year about how dire the situation is. Um, and as a result, um, I also talked, you know, let the governor's office know because we're in that budget, we're in the executive budget. And, um, the governor's office gave us proposed budget, gave us an increase that would have hired three more positions that we need. Um, and then once it got to the the, the floor right. of the table, um, that was cut out. And I, you know, that was something that was difficult because we need those positions. And I am. <laughs> I had already spit that in my head. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's one because ad- we don't have we don't have any admin staff right now. Like, that's one admin person and two investigators. That that money was spent, mm-hmm. and then it didn't make it to the final budget, and so that was difficult. That's you know that's a challenge because we, we have so much that we need to do, and it's just hard to do it, um, and. Uh, you speak on the time that I started um, you know June was interesting in Louisville last year and one of the things that people don't realize is in the past few years people have felt more empowered to express hate and so we've needed to do more even though we're operating with less and it's been very challenging trying to um, deal with some of the things that were happening in the community when we have such a limited role and limited ability. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a challenge, but also just as things progress, I mean, we hear about the purported work shortages or staffing shortages and Aside from non-livable wages, um, we've had a lot of complaints from people who just don't feel comfortable at work because of people feeling free to be hateful. Um, And we need to create workspaces where people feel that they can thrive and be accepted for who they are. And so if you're not going to be paid enough to live, at least be able to work in a place that allows you to be you. Um, and so we had one of the recent cases the other day was someone who had coworkers um, making derogatory comments about his race 
in light of social demonstrations. And so he stopped showing up Mm -hmm. because he didn't feel comfortable at work. And so that we need to do more to show people that things can be better and get people to do the right thing. And then another, another big challenge this office faces, and I can, I could talk on this for, for years is there's so many people who don't think that we need to exist. I had a conversation with a state official who told me that racism was over and asked if I really thought this office needed to be here. Um, yeah, a legislator? It was a state official. <laughs> I, and ignoring the fact that that's wrong, um, but we do more than racism. Um, we, one of our, this goes back and forth, but our highest case discrimination complaints it's not always race it's employment discrimination for disabilities um and people don't think of that when they think of the human rights commission um and so that's the most common complaint this disability or one of them are it depends on the year but mostly it's normally it's it's a close battle with disability and race and employment um and what's challenging and this goes back to the budget issue is a lot of people equate rights human rights with one specific party now and that makes it hard to fight for it because then things that you say get painted as this is a this is a democrat issue or whatever and it's not um discrimination is not a partisan thing um doing the right thing is not a partisan thing but we're in a climate where it has become that. And so even though we're trying to help with people, I mean, we're trying, we, one of our biggest things is disability discrimination and we're being hampered um, by some perception that we only do racial things. Mm -hmm. And this is the, why I said I could talk about this forever is I get so many unsolicited um, mailings from people, um, a lot of death threats, um, people um, reminding me that they know where my office is or where my house is, wow. and that I, by having this organization, am the racist one. And I don't know how we combat that sentiment from some people, yeah. but there's so many people who will contact me daily and say oh you all are the are the racist it's not us and you know that type of thing and it's it's hard um my work phone rings all the time for two reasons um one it's someone every day I have about 10 to 15 calls from somebody who is upset about where their case is they don't know how long it's going to take um, they are mad that it hasn't, you know, done like on TV and they file something and then they get a resolution. But also there are people who get the office number and call me to leave a message and say how terrible I am, mm-hmm. how terrible this office is and how um, we are spreading hate ourselves by saying that we want to protect people from hate. Um, I don't understand that logic but that's what a lot of people believe. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I 
a big challenge for me is wishing that I could do more because one, I want to help those people learn this is not that's not it Mm -hmm. but also I want this office to be what it was supposed to be when it was created Mm -hmm. and there are ways to do that Um, I'm working on figuring out other ways to do that I'm working on figuring out ways to raise money um, because it's become apparent that we're not getting it um, locally Um, and I just want to find a way to lift people up when they need it and also to be less reactive. I think the goal is to be a proactive agency that helps dissuade people from being the way that then causes people to file complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the challenges. It's resources, public sen- sentiment, um, and the lovely threats I get. And I, and I assume pe- people, a lot of people don't know that, you know, this exists. And if they are discriminated, they can, you know, yeah. come to you. That's part of the That's, challenges. That yeah. was my number one um, Before the death thing coming in. One. Yeah, those, those <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, those are what they are. But, um, yeah, I, that's, and that's the thing that I want to do is help grow visibility um, to let people know that we exist. But there's a, there's one challenge with that is the more people that know it's here, since we really need it, that's even more people filing complaints yeah. when we don't have the resources right. Right. to address them in the manner that I wish we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of gets to some of the successes mm-hmm. since I, mean, I could go on and on about challenges, but there were some, there have been some bright spots. Mm-hmm. Um, my first, when I started, I wanted and succeeded in meeting with each of the agencies like this and all the states that surround us to learn from them and learn best practices and how they made some changes and things that they did to help address um, issues. Um, Indiana was in a similar boat to us a few years ago and they did made some changes and saw improvement and then that also incre- helped them get other funding from different places. Um, so that's been one success, it's just learning. Um, and so through that, um, I've done some policy, policy changes um, internally. I had a 10-page document that I did of just internal processes and procedures, and I wanted to find ways to better serve Kentuckians, especially those that need us. And so from when the changes went in, tracked over a three-month span, um, we went from 393, the average case age, from 393 days to 304. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the investigators, well, two of them really, one of them had 532 average daily, mm-hmm. and then the other one was 482, mm-hmm. and those are down to 390. Um, so it's, it's improvement. It's still a lot longer than I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we gosh we have the statute that enables us um says 180 days and we can't <laughs> right as we are we we can't uh, meet that 180 days because that's like it's it's a challenge right. um and so getting down to 304 is helpful and we're going to keep moving down um hopefully we do find the resources to get another investigator or two or 
three. <laughs> right, right. And then we can get that down even even further. Right. And to your point about visibility, I think we have done some work in, in visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we, we started a podcast about things that are going on in the community. Um, there's been, been trying to get, you know, some recognition in the office of us just being here and mm-hmm. letting people know there's a place that's doing things on your behalf right. and fighting for you. And so that's one thing that I think will be good or beneficial in moving some of the work forward is mm-hmm. being more seen. And I do think that in a way that can help us with finding um, that extra piece to maybe fundraise somewhere. <laughs> right. um, still trying to work through the legalities legalities of that um, because yeah. we are a state agency that also is prosecutorial in nature. Mm-hmm. And we can, in theory, investigate anyone in Kentucky for be it a public accommodations violation, um, employment, housing, credit transaction. So everyone is subject to our jurisdiction in a way and so it's been working through some hurdles on trying to figure out how to get money um in a way that's appropriate um i think i think that might be well i heard the um the state has a 1.1 billion dollar surplus uh going into this next fiscal year maybe the general assembly could uh, actually give you some more uh, that that would be great um (laughs) You tell them, um, <laughs> uh, and and that would that would be great um, news. Uh, it would be nice even if that proposed from the governor was sent to us somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that we have to be pragmatic and think of other ways besides what is been appropriated because right. it's been consistent that it you know we need to do something else. Yeah. And so I, I plan in the next six months to be able to have some alternative ways that people can help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's in the works and in discussion about how we can make that happen and do a little more. Great. So I think you've kind of answered this question away, but I was going to ask you how the current kind of social cultural environment here like yeah. <laughs> like you from Brianna Taylor protests like really hopeful to like you know the really scary stuff like uh you know death threats and the the CRT people that yeah. have <laughs> that have like reared their head they've crawled out from under the rock and they feel free to to speak now so I'm wondering if this is a more hopeful time for you or a more scary time for you or is it kind of a kind of a mixture it's it's both um it's one, I'm grateful for the, especially thinking back to last summer and the social justice movements. Um, I, I'm grateful for that because sometimes change needs people to be a little bit uncomfortable to then realize there's something to address. Um, because you don't, you don't work on rehabbing an injury until you know you're hurt. Um, and so I think forcing some of those conversations is important and letting people understand that things are um, as bad as some of us have been saying for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think I'm grateful that those conversations have started. I just am also scared that they're 
dying down. And I think that gets to your second question about some of the things like the CRT uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, bearing in mind that actual critical race theory is something that's taught in law schools. And, and they don't know what yeah. they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, outside of talking about how race and law intersects, um, like, that that's critical race theory. It's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, what some people are using as a uh, a way to stoke fear mm-hmm. um, but I think we have to be I don't know it's it's scary because that goes back to the point of what I was saying earlier about people thinking that we are a way that like this agency for example is a problem um because we are pointing out the deficiencies that we see or that happen in society. And some people feel like pointing those things out is a challenge. And it's not a challenge. We're pointing out, we're, we are addressing people's everyday lives. And it, that anger that some people have, um, it, it's hard to think of how we can solve for that because some people aren't actually in search of a solution they just want to ignite flames of conversation that never go anywhere and so it's trying to find a way and you know like I said about wanting to do more trying to find a way to do that Mm. because I I I don't know honestly what we're what we can do Mm -hmm. but I want to be part of the solution and um that it's hard Hmm. so i don't know so um just looking out in the future i don't know how long you'll 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 be here but um um i I, you made a tweet recently that kind of caught my eye we're talking Uh about the open seats (laughs) the senate Senate council i'm wondering if sometime in the future you think you would because you you mentioned uh wanting to run for a senator when you were a kid uh that's funny. <laughs> uh, is that something you would consider in the f- sometime in the future, running for running for office? Or are you happy? Uh... Oh, that's funny. Um, one, I should probably stop tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a good rule for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I have I have a couple I have a couple things I want to accomplish. Um, I want my main goal is making this up office less needed Hmm. um i want to do things that make this office less less integral to society first um i want cultural and policy change that makes this a better place for everyone um i think we should start with codifying um some of the because one of the successes i didn't mention was we had a lot of help with the supreme court this past year mm-hmm. and um, then President Biden in expanding protections in housing as well as employment from the Supreme Court for mm-hmm. LGBTQ protections mm-hmm. but we need to codify that um, another thing I want to make sure happens is that we also do something like the Crown Act in Kentucky where we don't punish people for their natural hair Um, I think creating a climate where people understand that that's not a part, those things aren't partisan, but they're people based. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me right now. 
um, as far as those other things, um, I think there's always room in the future. Um, like I said, I mean, I said when I was younger, it was one of the things I wanted to do. Um, granted, I didn't think I'd be in Kentucky. I thought I would be in North Carolina, fresh graduating from Duke. Um, that didn't happen. Um, but, you know, that's something that I've thought about, but it's not something I'm thinking about right now. I'm more concerned with getting this office to where it's it was supposed to be. Gotcha. Great. Okay. Well, I've taken up more of your time than I, I said I would. So uh, oh, <laughs> you were. Sure, I'm I, sure you're a busy man, so I don't want to. I don't want to keep you too long. You have pretty much answered every single question before I could even ask it. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Wish so, it worked that way when I was great. there. Yeah. Um, um, I, just, I just got. To- a big thanks to Joe again and the Courier Journal for taking the time to sit down with me and to talk about this office and really just talk about you know the the challenges that we've seen but also the opportunities that lie ahead and so I, I again I'm very appreciative of the opportunity to get to talk and to get to shine any light possible on this office because this is this is important um, I'm not important, but the work is important. The office is important. The people are important. And anything that can shine a light on that and hopefully bring more eyes to the existence and maybe be there to help someone else who needs it, I think is very necessary. So things like this, as much as I don't love being interviewed um, or the quote-unquote spotlight um if me being uncomfortable for 40 minutes in an interview helps even one person i'm happy to do it and so there will probably probably maybe be more um conversations like that in the future and we will see um where else that takes us but anyway thank you for listening this week and for indulging in this this conversation and i don't know it's it's still it's still um i told joe um when they reached out that i never thought um i would be in an interview like that and it was really I don't know the words to know that multiple people had suggested that they do that interview. Um, that was a shock to me um, and an honor, but also a shock. I was like, oh, I did not know people thought of that. But anyway, um, that is all for this week. Um, and hopefully this was decent. I really appreciated the interview and the write-up. And again, support local journalism, support local radio, um, just support your community.
The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions.